This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome to the Championship Clubs Podcast, a different episode today, a reflective episode today. I am your host, Michael Casey. It's been a while since I've been involved and it's a privilege to be back involved with the show. Uh, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host, Ben Gulliver. And one of the men pulling the strings from behind the scenes is Bedford Blues Chief something or other, Gareth or Gents. It's a pleasure to be back on the show and uh, I think an episode of reflection. I'm looking forward to what we've, uh, what we've done with the uh, podcast and starting in March. I'm going to throw over to you, Gully, to kick us off and let us know how you're getting on. Hey Mike, I've uh, just been talking before we recorded that you're desperate to tell everybody what you've been up to. So let's get that out of the way first and just uh, where have you been? What have you been up to and how's the new role going? Oh, since you've asked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the keener listeners of the show. It's been a few weeks since I've been on um, and uh, with a heavy heart. Left Doncaster Knights at the end of October, started a new job with a sports marketing agency called Sport five and yes, yeah, going really well. Thank you very much. But now I have to say it's I, I do miss Doncaster Knights. I spent nine years of my life there. I joined under the stewardship of Gareth Alvard as a, a media intern back in two thousand and twelve. So yeah, just just a year short of my testimonial year. Saw a relegation, a promotion, playoff finals. We played Saracens at uh, in Yorkshire at Castle Park. So yeah, it was a uh, you know a big part of my life to now. And um, yeah, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed every second of it and. Uh, I uh, do miss the place and uh, I'm enjoying seeing the results, to be fair, since I've left, as I believe top of the league. We've not been top of the championship in a, an awful long time. It will be my luck that they'll get promoted to the premiership the year that I leave the club. But if they do, I'll be delighted. It'll be fantastic to see uh, premiership rugby back in Yorkshire. So, no, uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I enjoyed the opportunity to talk uh, talk about myself for the opening minute of the show. Just uh, just going back to the pod and, you know, nine years, long time at the club, Mike. So I'll have a shift. Uh, I'm not sure... You've got a testimony on mine, but you know, just players only. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, podcast wise, so I can't believe what we started in March last year, didn't we? So uh, we had a brief conversation. We've never actually met. <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? <laughs> in the world of COVID, we've never actually met. But there's been uh, it's it's been an interesting year. I think we've, we've we've like we've we set out to do. We've made some some pretty good progress. A couple of articles in in some in some. Um, some of the nationals from what we've been doing on here. So it's a little tap on the back to, to Gareth for, for his idea, but also for, for everyone that's been supporting us, I think. So cheers to everyone that's listened. Um, and I suppose when, when we're reflecting on it, there's quite a few things that jump out. I don't know if there's anything your end that, that sort of particularly jumps out to you, Gareth or, or, or Mike. For me, there's, there's obviously, you know, just getting it going was a huge um, achievement in itself. And obviously, listening to the pods you guys have put out before Mike became too busy was brilliant. I think some of the guests, I mean, what a way we started. It seems a long time right now. But Alan Paver, I mean, whenever you're in doubt and you need some motivation, we just chuck that podcast on because uh, it just gets you, gives you all the feels and um, lets you know what they've really achieved down there. But we've had, we started it with British Lions, like Tom Francis, didn't we? Ali Price, Tom Youngs, you know, just incredible the stories they've gone through. And then, you know, right through, I guess, to, to the other week when we pushed out the news of, you know, 49% in the Prem have been developed or played in the Championship just shows the value that this league delivers. And I guess that was the main outcome, wasn't it? Uh, and we haven't finished yet. So um, there's a long way to go. Mike, what about some of the highlights of some of the guests you've interviewed? I'm going to take that question into a different direction because I, I want to, but uh, 
obviously for those if we haven't had a chance to explain it publicly the podcast was something that gareth and i had kind of been in a conversation around with like a more official meeting wasn't it when we we're discussing ways that we could market the league in our respective positions at the club and i know it's something that gully and gareth had had, had mooted and uh, you'd obviously kind of position gully to us as this uh, guy who actually could play rugby unlike you and i just like watching it and uh, maybe gave us a bit more authority to talk about it and uh, yeah, we, we kind of kicked the idea around sort of in more official channels and said, well, let, let's let's get on and do something. And as much, you know, I've done a little bit of broadcast in the back, it's all very new to Gully. And I was like, it could be a cool idea. It could work. It might not do. And then we recorded with Paver that first episode. And I don't know about you, Gully, but like the second we kind of pressed stop on that first episode, I was like... This is fun. Wow. This is good, lads. This we've got we've got something here because I couldn't even remember at the end of it. And like that is credit to having a very very good guest to kick off with. But yeah, and at that point I knew that actually this was this was a good idea. And uh, that didn't you say the momentum just went those first few weeks? Um, we had some phenomenal guests in there. Obviously, on a personal note, it was really nice to interview my old pal Tom Francis. Um, as we grew up together, and it's amazing to see how he's getting on and as much as I would obviously never bias towards interviewing him because I knew him, his, his story is just so good, isn't it? He's a fat, useless fresher at Leeds University. He got brought into the, uh, I guess, the regiment at, at Doncaster. Now he's now he's uh, a multi-multi-capped international and probably one of the you know most renowned titans in the world. And uh, I can say that about him because of me pal. But no, it's, it's, been a, it's been a real pleasure to be a part of. And, uh, you know, some of the feedback that we've got when I was at Castle Park, people coming up to me and saying how much they enjoyed it, players, fans and everything. But, uh, yeah, it's been class. And uh, I am really excited to uh, being back in the fold this year, time allowing and, and seeing where we can take it next year. But, yeah, Gull, have you, you got a highlight from season, from the, from the first well, it's nine months we've been doing it now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when, when you explain, like, the the embryo of it all and the start of it all. It's. I just wonder who else was on that list of players that they wanted to do this podcast, Gareth. I'm just thinking, who else was in that? <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember as well how I sold it to Mike. I said, I've, I've got the poor man's Jim Hamilton here. I said, I, I tell you, he is, I tell you, this is what we want, another Kovskin. Um, now, you haven't let us down, Gully. You haven't let us down. Hey, mate, well, well connected. That black book's coming handy. <laughs> You've upset that many people that it was easy to get them on. No, I'll tell you what, though, I was not actually in the game at the time. So I wasn't coaching, I wasn't playing. Um, and it gave me a bit of a purpose back back with rugby. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm super passionate about the league. Um, and I find it quite easy and comfortable to talk about. But I also, you know, there's some challenging subjects around the league. Um, and I enjoy, enjoy talking to, to people. It keeps me involved and with contacts within the game and that side of it's been great, but also being able to, to interview guests. And like, I've never, never done this before. It's, it's all, it's all relatively new to me, but it's something that, yeah, do a bit of prep for and enjoy it. Um, but also the guests make it, it's, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty straightforward for, for us. We just team up with a couple of questions and we, we listen <laughs> to them go and it's been, so, I mean, some of the stuff, I, mean, I, I think you said about Paves, but when, when Youngsy was on as well and, shit the bed like it was 25 minutes and it was just like wow that guy's amazing and it was just a hell of a story and and then we had we had pricey on who was slightly different and it's before his before his lions appearance and you think shit like we, we spoke to someone that's now an established international spoke so highly of the league and then more recently we had aki on as well who'd just been capped um and i think we could have spoke to him for you know an hour to two hours and it would have been all good content and it's 
there's been some real standout ones, but it's 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 every story. Russell March and all, you know these people. It's just been it's been great. I think I think that's worth mentioning as well. The different stories that we've done. You know, kind of um, just thinking back to to kind of Phil Bolton and Pete Lydon. I think in the same one. I mean, what did we have? What was what was Bolts um, saying for the champ? Yeah, the ecosystem and basically yeah. took away like promotion and relegation. Like have the knock-on effect on the whole pyramid. Which who like, who knew who knew a tight head prop in bolts could be uh, that clever, but uh, an insightful. But the, the, I mean, Delaney, how good Delaney? Ah, oh, like just thinking back yeah. to that, all the stuff that he knew, the stuff being involved with the championship. Um, you know, from the very early days as it went from national one. You know how insightful that was. The different people, even when Saracens were in the league, and we had Gordon Banks on. Um, Gully was gutted in bring, bring his goalkeeping gloves, but apart from that, I think he was um, outstanding his knowledge of the game and, and things like that, and just giving us different views um, across the board. And I think that's where we've got to take it, hasn't haven't we, guys? Is to to try and give fans an insight to different areas as well, understand our challenges, but also understand you know what it takes to be in this league. Because we're recording this just on Sunday evening after I've just come back from Saints incredible game, but you know, the resources so different compared to, you know, our game against until yesterday. So yeah, it, it's, we just got to keep shining that light and you guys have done a great job on that, but there's so many highlights aren't there. I mean, there's probably a couple that we're, we're missing that were, were really good fun as well. Mike, any, any others you think of? Yeah, it's quite, I mean, like Tom Young saying winning player of the year at Nottingham was one of his career highlights really struck home given the how decorated a career he's had. But yeah, there were so many. I mean, like Ben Ward's at Ealing. What an incredible, <laughs> because, you know, we all talk about Ealing, the club with um, obviously for the league, incredible resource. But like the stuff that they're doing away from, like away from the pitch. And I think it's quite easy, you know, when a club has money and they're successful, they get quite often get pelters on Twitter and everything else. It's easy not to like that club. And then you listen to what, they're actually doing for these lads and off the field and what they're growing in that part of West London. You're like, wow, that, that is incredible. And it was just nice to, that was a very, very different story again. The other thing that we, we should highlight as well as the success of the team of the week. I mean, just incredible seeing the interaction that that gets and, and both fans and players alike really, um, I, I guess, you know, we talk about that shining light again, and I don't want to bore people, but you know, in the premiership, that's the norm. Um, in the championship, nobody's been shouting about these players each week. So, you know, to give them a platform to, to be able to to see how good of them. I mean, I think we're probably doing a few um, premiership DORs job for them, you know, highlighting which players to sign. Um, obviously, they really care about our opinion. Um, but it's just been brilliant. Been brilliant. I was just thinking, right, I was going to ask just before you said that, about like, the, I think people might be interested in some of the challenges we actually... As a, as a podcast, we, we face quite quite a bit, don't we? Because it's like we're, we're all doing it around our full-time jobs. And we're not going, woe is me. But there is there is sometimes a few few challenges that, you know, maybe worth sharing. It's just sort of aligning diaries and, you know, things like that and recording. And a shout-out to the guys that, that help record in Doncaster. We don't really shout them out much, do we? But it's... Uh, there's quite a bit that goes into this. It's not that, uh, that that maybe we could share, maybe not. Maybe that's not the way to go. You know when the team of the week goes out, do you ever get like text off boys being like, how have I not made it this week? Or how have you picked so-and-so there? And sort of have to explain the uh, the selection criteria. Or do you just tell them to fuck off? <laughs> I'll just tell them, Gully, Gully made the decision. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm chief shit reflector. <laughs> Anyway, since um, as great as we are, lads, I don't want it as all self-promotion. So um, should we move on to um, what was 
what a guess was a pretty tough week for us, but the start of 2022, because Christmas was um, is always a great time for rugby, but unfortunately COVID got in the way of some games. We had an incredible boxing day, sold out win against Jersey. But unfortunately, me and Mike didn't get to catch up for our New Year's Day beers because COVID cancelled Bedford. Donny, any games over that period that, that you boys spotted or or, or or more recently wanted to highlight, Gully, some of your predictions? I just just on the, the Boxing Day one, and I, I think I messaged you, I, I actually went to Bath against Gloucester uh, in the Prem. And I know it's not champ, but I went, I went to that game, got excited. I love going to the wreck. And obviously, they're going through a shit time. But I actually... As a match day experience, it wasn't quite what I thought it would be. And I don't know if that's just the way the game's gone or it's COVID-related, but it was a 12 or 13,000 in there. And I didn't get to see much of the game. Everyone's, you know, not really interested in it. I don't know why they were there, some of them. But it was... I, I came away thinking, shit, I'd rather have been at Bedford. <laughs> Basically, seeing like 4,000 in at Goldington Road. And that's just how I felt. And it was just... that. I, I I've not been to many games this year, and you know I'm I'm crying to get down to down to Pirates because it's down the road to watch a watch a game. But in terms of sort of fixtures that I wanted to, that I've missed out on that I'd wished I was at would have been that uh, Bedford Jersey game because that just looked epic. It just looked amazing. Yeah, it was good. It was a good day. It was really good. And, and thank you for that, Gully. Although I will say it's always interesting. Obviously, you've played in some of those encounters rather than necessarily always being a supporter. And the Boxing Day is a very different day where a lot of people aren't aren't there for the rugby they're there for the social experience and 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 that's probably what bath had um you know we know that bath has a real rugby core and 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 you know in fact at bedford we kind of compare ourselves to bath quite regularly town center club lots of history on a nice river in a nice location without the money that's the only thing but um no it's it's you know look i think boxing day is different up at saints I have to be fair, great match day experience. The only difference being is it's always good with a lot of championship grounds being able to wander around. You know, you're not kind of stuck in one place. And I think that's part of our charm, I guess, a little bit and, and being able to wander and see different people. There we go. Now, it was an incredible win, wasn't it? I mean, there's been a few shot results. In fact, we were watching uh, with interest Friday night. Nottingham were right in it against Elim, but in the normal Elim way, they... They ran out strong in that second half. Equally on our, we'll talk about it, but, you know, we, we were looking to back up, or Bedford were looking to back up Boxing Day and that incredible win, and unfortunately it didn't work. I mean, Amtel's defence was just unbelievable. The breakdown, just unbelievable. They were, you know, they they fired everything at us and we didn't really manage to get many shots off. Some of the other results, Gully, do you want to talk us through them? The team that sort of, I don't know if it surprised me or it surprised the league maybe, is Hartbury. Um they're, they're going really well. They've picked up some scalps this year, haven't they? I mean, they beat Pirates early on in the season. Um, and by all accounts, they, they won the game yesterday and then lost the game, didn't they? Um, away at Cov. And, you know, I think Tony Fenner slots one at the death um, for Cov to sneak it. And to, looking at the league, for Hartbury to be sat in fifth above Cov and Bedford, I believe, you know, it's... they're, they're We've said it, I think we said it uh, when, when Russell was on, but they've been in the league a long time. They're established in it now, aren't they? As as are Amtel. And these teams have sort of bedded in quite nicely. And as a result, they're they're stronger. They have a, a true identity and, they're, and they're, they're causing every team problems. I just think the league this year, for whatever reason, and I think it's post-COVID, it just seems in a really, really good place on the field. Yeah, no, it's really competitive. And equally, I wouldn't say Scottish... 
wouldn't take anything away from Scottish. I think they're playing the long game a little bit. You know, there's no relegation. They know that. They've had a year out of the game, let's not forget, putting a new squad together, a new training plan, moving from full-time to part-time. Financially, they're not in the worst place, actually. So I think there's a lot of you know, the rugby rumour mill talks and kind of creates gossip that isn't there. And um, I think Scottish are planning for their long term. And this club's doing different things. And then on the other side of it, you've got Ealing who are, you know, this is their chance, isn't it? This is their, <laughs> this is now when the pressure's coming on, really, um, because we all know that they're tipped to, to win the league and they've built that that themselves. That expectation is there. So, you know, lots going on. And you're right, Gully. It's really an exciting league. And, um, you know, we, we just got to keep banging that drum, haven't we? Um, we've got to, We've got to keep promoting it. We've had some fantastic headlines, like you said. Our man, Ross Hancock, who's now involved in doing a bit. I think he got us into a few different newspapers. I should get us in City AM, big London paper. Not so big up north, I think. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great that we're getting headlines. I was going to say, head on the block, what do you reckon, second half of the season? What are your predictions? You've got three predictions for the rest of this championship season. OK, Ealing to get promoted. And then the RFU to say no. <laughs> <laughs> The RFU won't control that. PRL might say no. PRL. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say that? That could happen, couldn't it? <laughs> are, they, are they allowed to go into the Crown? They've put in their promotion criteria, uh, so um, they, they need to all pass be- the audit. Okay, all being well, I predict Ealing will win it. Scottish to win no games. I, I don't think they will. Like, Have you fallen out with Scottish, Gully? No, I was... Bigging them up. I'm doing it deliberately. It's like I want them to win, but I'm just going to say they're going to lose. So, <laughs> so they can. So, Jervia Poe can drop into our DMs and call me a see you next Tuesday again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the third one. Gareth, take over. I'll come back with a third prediction. Uh, yeah, I mean it's hard to see past Ealing. Uh, so, so I, I'm. I'll join you there. However, I could see Jersey turning them over out there and, and making it really squeaky bums. I'm with Donny and Cornish Porritts. Let's not forget they've got a few games in hand. So, um, and they, as we know, Paves and Cattle, they can definitely motivate whatever group they've got. So, um, yeah, I, I fancy them, especially because they haven't handed in promotion criteria um, and, and therefore they wouldn't go up. I think they've got nothing to lose. And, and you know, certainly at Bedford, we've always found that to a dangerous animal I guess and and you know that you, you're the underdogs at certain times and therefore that could work in your favour so um, they could cause a surprise or two or upset things along the way um, obviously Bedford to go and uh, undefeated for the rest of the season um, they'll be you know that, that, that's the obvious one really um, I, I don't know what's the final one I mean I want to say something crazy or off the peg or, or something that would just be be different but um <laughs> I don't think there is, and I don't think you know. I don't think there's a club in trouble. So um, definitely going to say that that all the clubs will remain um, next season. And believe me, through the funding cuts and as they have remained at 159,000, and with COVID, it would have been really easy to see a team go under. And I, I mean that, you know, in credit, I take my hat off to every club that have managed their resources uh, and finances through. And I guess then the shout. It's not necessarily for the championship this year. It's for next year. Who comes up? So if Ealing go, who... Roslyn Park nailed on, I reckon. Great setup, great club. I think they'll add value as well. But then who? Coldy, Cinderford, Sale FC? Just cover that off, Gareth. So how, how many are coming up into the league next year? So, yeah, in short, if Doncaster or Ealing win promotion and meet the criteria uh, to go up, 
they will be the 14th Premiership club. That means that two teams will be promoted from National 1 into the Championship. If Doncaster or Leland win it and don't meet the criteria or another club wins it, i.e. Pirates, Jersey, whoever, then only one club will come up. Uh, and therefore, I guess you'd be back in, back in Roslyn Park because they're, they're doing pretty well. But um, yeah, does that summarise it? Okay, Gilly? Yeah, yeah, mate, definitely. I just, yeah, and that one be interesting if two came up, wouldn't it? Because uh, I, I see Coldy are flying, and yeah. I think Matt Cairn in there as head coach, the old uh, Saris hooker. Uh -huh. um, so he's obviously done a great, great job, great job at Coldy, and that'd be like out of the blue, wouldn't it? Uh, different team great. in the league, but yeah, I think be great in terms of I mean probably forgot Reading Rams as well they're, they're, they're still in the mix but yeah I think you know we, we shouldn't ever talk about it in terms of geography because there's lots of contentions you have to earn the right to come up and everything else but it yeah. would be great wouldn't it to have a different location you know we talked about Darlington Moden Park and things like that and um, Coldy I mean forgive my geography what Cheshire Liverpool way yeah, um, yeah, yeah. pretty much way so yeah they they They'd had some real value, different club, real history and heritage, actually, as well. They've been going great guns for a number of years and below the radar. But then, you know, Chinna, Chinna spending some money um, and maybe not as much now, but they, they, they certainly have got ambitions and they're, they're still knocking on the door. I think they had a close win. I think they might have even beat Sindiford. Gareth, just looking at the league quickly on that one, it's, it'd be Roslyn Park, they're away, plus Coldy, Sale or Sindiford looking at that at this stage so the north is strong in that league which is a nice thing <laughs> yeah and i mean as much as uh, rosin park's a great club i can remember when they uh beat donny when donny were in national one which nearly kind of derailed promotion uh for mm. the knights um it, it very it does become quite london centric doesn't it we could uh, the, the championship which hey again you earn the right to go up uh, and we you know we are sort of like saves a promotion relegation being sort of on a meritocracy um but just as a, a northerner, it would be nice to see a few sides out of the capital. Just quickly, if Donny or Ealing were to get promoted, well, how do you think they'd go? It'd be very, very tough, wouldn't it? Yeah, you, you'd, 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 you'd be very surprised <laughs> if they were to win a game without spending a lot more money. But yeah, I thought the pause, the pause said a lot there, didn't it? Um, oh, look, it, look, it comes down to the funding though as well, doesn't it? I mean, we still don't know what they would receive. Uh, we're not even sure if they'd have to ship out 20 to 25 million to even have the right of the P shares. Well, I'll tell you what, even of the, the likes of the guys that own both Donny and Elin, that's not, that's not loose change. That's, that's massive investment. So how the hell do you afford a squad on top of that and a squad that we know would have to be stronger? Um, I think both of them would be on a bit of a hide into nothing. However, again, what, if they went up and, and gave everything they've got and um, and actually with the limited resources they've got compared to others. I mean, have you boys seen the what Elin have now put in with the, the with Brunel and with the on-site kind of gym and indoor training centre? I mean, looks unreal, looks premiership standard. In terms of the structure, Gareth, and in terms of what we can expect, we've uh, sort of internally, we kind of joke as you've been a bit of a man in the know. Obviously, we know that you are, you know, with your position at Bedford, close to a lot of conversations. And obviously, we know there's lots of things you can't tell us. But in terms of, we know that the review committee is going to sort of reveal or sort of make public their uh, their work in the in the new year. Realistically, what can we expect? And, and Gully, as, you know, an ideas man and someone that's not as close to it, what do you think you'd like to see for the league next year? 
I'm still wondering. Uh, I'm not sure if I am, Mike. I mean, what was I, chief, chief something or other? I mean, chief cleaner or drain washer normally, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Gully, actually, it'd be interesting. I, I won't try and I won't try and lead anything. So, um, Gully, you you go first. What what do you want in your long shopping list? It's difficult, isn't it? Because it's like you can have a dream, like a shopping list, and it's how realistic that can be. But I think. You know, it's a bit of clarity around the league uh, from from the powers that be. You know, what where do, we know it has value, but where do they see the value in it? And what is and there needs to be a monetary value to it as well. And I think for people like yourself, Gareth, um, other clubs at that le- at your level, you know, what are you working with, and what are you working with not for just next season, but for the next three to four five years, and how how well can you structure your club and your playing squad around the the budget that you have within the squad, within your own club, but also with the funding coming from from the RFU. I mean, I'm not stupid to think that the RFU will go back to the six, seven hundred grand a year, but you know, a bit more why, clarity. Why, why not? Why not? Because we haven't met the five. Um, <laughs> the five. Oh, what? <laughs> five the five bullshit things that Bill Sweeney said, <laughs> and I can say that. Um, but, I, I didn't say that. That quote is not from Gareth Alred. I'm just saying that. That's from Ben Gulliver. Hi, Bill. Uh, Bill and Ben, let's have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look, look, jokes aside, it's just just some clarity, mate. Just I think, you know, I've I've spoken to you, I've spoken to other people in the league, and the shit that you guys have been through and the hard work that you've got put in place to get your clubs um being able to put a team out you know, and, and making it viable and, and, and not get, and not folding. We say it's great that, le- that no one's folded and we say it like a, a bit of a whim, you know, <laughs> but actually it's, that's, that's what's happened and there's a lot of hard work and that's been a little bit, you know, led, led from, from the cuts. So clarity around that, clarity around promotion, relegation, get back to 12 or 14 teams. Let's have a cup competition as well, please. In terms of what you were suggesting there, I think, but well, first of all, I should say that I take my hat off to the DORs, the coaches and the players um, for what they put out with the resources they've got, um, you know, to put on the level of entertainment and quality rugby that they do. I think, first of all, deserves a huge amount of credit. Um, and, you know, certainly the premiership coaches in England are recognising that by how many players that they're selecting from the champ. I think in terms of the structure I just worry with the championship strategic review that it's kind of still ongoing and there's a lot of people doing a great work, but I worry sometimes that it's a smokescreen for the funding issue that's now disappearing. Um, you know, that you mentioned the 660, which was the former funding, but, you know, meant to be near enough half and now it's down to 159 and has, from what I understand, very little likelihood of changing. I think that's crazy. I think that is, you know, such an underinvestment in the second tier of elite rugby in this country. And the knock-on effect of that could be difficult years down the line. Um, easy to say. As a Welshman, I guess I'm not too offended if, if Wales could get a few more scalps. But, um, yeah, I, I worry for England to be the powerhouse of, of the world. And look, let's face it, with the resources... England should be a powerhouse. Uh, England should be in the final of every World Cup. And I truly believe that, you know, they, they, the quality in this country is ridiculous. Just to get back, I guess, to Mike's question, I think, you know, 12, it's going to be 12 next year. And look, it sounds silly, but that is a step in the right direction. You could see a return to playoffs next year, but 
there could be playoffs to to not get promoted. Um, so that'll be difficult because I don't think there's any promotion. I'm pretty sure there remains no promotion um, next season. So um, that would just be a kind of cup competition, but a shootout would be, I guess, a little bit more exciting. We're hoping at the end of this season, there's cup competition still to be played. I think then we're looking at lots of different varied solutions. I mean, the, the Prem Champ Cup has been consistently talked about. I think we are getting closer to that. I think there is a good relationship with Prem clubs, certainly between championship clubs, you know, us and Saints, but, you know, that relationship now is, is pretty normal. If you look at... Uh, Nottingham and Leicester, you know, Ampton and Saracens. Um, Jersey seem to have a, a lot of loans from different clubs. Same with, with Coventry. I think Donny have got a sprinkling of sale players. Um, so, look, there's, there's certainly a willingness to connect and work together. So, you know, Prem Champ Cup could be on the agenda. I, I hope a hybrid league isn't the answer, personally. Um, I see no value in that. I think that the idea between A-teams and, and, and championship clubs in a league is is not a format that you can buy into. Um, I think, you know, our identities are, are critical. I also think that there has to be promotion and relegation, even if it's via a playoff. I think that, you know, BT Sport want it, TV broadcasters want it, obviously, but so do the fans. And isn't that what it's about? You know, if there's no fans coming through the turnstiles, then there's no game, certainly in the elite or professional level. So, I think we need to work really hard to make sure that we are doing things that are both right for the game, right for the players, and and, and obviously welfare is a big issue, but predominantly that grows the game and grows the audience. Um, so I, I think we're in a stage where there's going to be a few things tried, and probably in three seasons, four seasons, we've got to take the learnings from it, um, and part of the strategic review is doing that, is to analyse then where we go with with data, with learnings, rather than yeah, we think we're doing a great job, but what have we done to actually compare and analyse it? Um, we've done some evidential stuff, I think, with a podcast group. We're going to put out next week some of the the, the names of the players um, that have been developed in the Championship and gone on to great things in the Prem because, again, we, we want to keep banging that drum. Um, I mean, what that when we put out that 49%, I mean, I was shocked by... I wasn't actually shocked by the number. A lot of guys were, but I, I wasn't. I was shocked by the reaction we got that people didn't have any clue that that many players had gone through it. And yes, there was some by the way, that anyone that doesn't follow us on Twitter from the podcast account, we put out a question of the day. How many players of this weekend's games do you think have played championship and the results of that as Gareth and uh, well, actually Ryan Robinson, the man behind the uh, stats uh, from Bedford found out 49% of the total match day squads from the weekend's round of premiership play uh, played had played championship. Sorry to interrupt, Gareth. Just giving some context there in case. No, I was rambling. <laughs> <laughs> that's not like you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, th- I think I think that's where we are. Um, I think first and foremost, we have got a great product still, and we we have done for many years. Um, I think what we should celebrate is the fact that, given those cuts, given those challenges, given all of those resources issues, we have still got a great product. The only learning will be with the funding continuing at the level it is, will we see more part-time clubs? And that that's not good. Um, and I know I say that as a team that have gone part-time, but everyone has to live within their means. Um, what it will do in the end is, is challenge the clubs that don't have opportunities outside of rugby. We're really well-connected in our community. We've managed to find the lads' jobs or they've, they've come with jobs or found their own. That's great in London, and, and there's a lot of opportunity there. But Cornwall, Doncaster, Jersey, definitely what will be the opportunity outside of that? And it, 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 
it, it would lead, I think, to a London-centric league. And and obviously, we don't want that in elite-level rugby. So, um, yeah, I think there's some challenges, but where they're trying things. And I, I will say one thing in their defence, or everybody's defence, is the parties are working together and trying to talk. And, and believe it or not, it was happening before. Uh, it absolutely was, but there was no mandates. I mean, there were some great relationships between PRL and the Championship previously, and... Uh, Obviously, my former boss is Jeff Irvine, but also McCafferty and different people. But the RFU are engaged in those conversations. Um, Conor O'Shea, I'd like to think, definitely has rugby's best interests. So, you know, we, we've just got to find the solutions, haven't we? And um, maybe we've got to go through a bit of short-term pain. But um, I think the, the, the biggest thing as well is taking ownership on yourselves and the league, you know, like we're trying to do here, but also the clubs. You know, we're, we're pretty fortunate. We had a fantastic boxing day, like I said, that has helped. But... We've all got to work on our own um, models as well. And our business plans have got to be as watertight as they can be to make sure that each club can, can stand on its own two feet. Because then if the funding comes, well, then it's going to give us a huge boost, isn't it? Um, if we're sustainable without it, well, then Christ, when we get it, we get what we deserve. Then I, I think we'll go places. And the, the final one, I promise I'll stop rambling. The final point would be the commercial rights and the opportunity. Are they going to continue to sit with the RFU? And are we going to be sold? And are there going to be some interest? Are we going to work with PRL to find, is there an opportunity um, to do a bit more thinking with them and joined up approach, um, especially now with their new CEO being the former commercial director um, for the RFU. And then finally, if not, when do we take ownership of that? And when do we sell our own broadcast rights, our own commercial rights, our own, um, you know, our, our own identity across the league? And, and that, unfortunately, will have to be the outcome um, if if the other things don't work. That was quite a, a comprehensive answer, Gareth, and thank you for that. And whilst we are working to find the solutions, Glee and I will do the best to talk and critique about the solutions. And that's what you've covered there, what we can maybe look forward to and what we can expect to see from the Championship and what we hope to see from the Championship from a, a structural and strategic level. Gully, what can people expect and what can people look forward to from this podcast next year? I'm hoping to get Big Jim on uh, and we've got some other other great guests lined up that have done a fair bit in the championship at playing level, but also we've got some sort of administrators coming on as well, hopefully to can explain a little bit more on what, what Gareth's just explained there and some great guest toasts again, I hope. And I hope to see a bit more of Mike Casey is, is my, is on my wish list. Well, I hope to be involved a little bit more and we hope that people are listening will continue to. As I say, we have got some great guests lined up for 2022, but do let us know if there is anyone you'd like to see or any questions that you would like asking on the Championship Clubs podcast. It's at Champ Clubs Pod, Instagram, Twitter, or on YouTube as well. It's been a pleasure 2021 and we're looking forward to taking you through to 2022 and keep spreading the positive word about the Championship. Thank you. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.